Hey, y'all, I'm going to take a second to give a quick shout out to the official mortgage lender of the Huntlift Deep podcast. That's Casey Burns of Prime Lending Mortgage. I've known Casey for 10 years and he's the only lender I use. I've used Casey to purchase two houses and the process has been seamless and easy each time. He's the heart of an educator and he truly cares about what's best for his clients. He specializes in VA loans, but can handle FHA, conventional investment loans as well. He's a true expert and specialist in his field, and there's no one I recommend more than Casey. You can contact Casey at casey.burns at primelending.com. Reach him by phone at 919-710-1864. You can also check out all his reviews at www.closewithcasey.com. Thanks, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt with Deep podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke, here with my former co-host and kind of still sometimes co-host, Perry. What's going on, man? Oh, dude, life's been crazy, but you know what? No one's listening to this episode to to hear me talk. We got a we got a special guest, so I'm excited to get to it. Yeah, absolutely. We also got our podcast guest coordinator, Derek. I'm going to skip him and jump straight into our guest, Nikki Selby. Nikki, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We met Nikki through Instagram, I don't know, probably like six months ago or so, and uh, became fast Instagram buddies, and it was been a long time overdue to get on the podcast, so we'll just go straight to it. So, Nikki, why don't you kind of give us a little rundown on some of your background um, in the Navy and kind of how you came up and all that? So, I joined the Navy right out of high school when I was 18, so all I know most of my adult life is the military, but joined because didn't really, I think like a lot of us didn't know what to do out of high school, kind of screwed up a little bit and found myself not going to college because I didn't, you know, look into any of that or probably wasn't going to be eligible anyway. Um, so kind of defaulted to the military and figured do a couple years, get the GI Bill and then figure it out from there, which a couple years turned into almost 24 years. <laughs> but Started out as a, uh, a search and rescue corpsman back in the 90s, which was interesting. And at the time, I was the only female doing that. Um, so picked a very challenging route. Didn't really know what I was getting into, which is kind of the theme of my life. I just sort of go head first and figure it out later. And I uh, ended up loving it. You know, flew on helicopters, was an air crewman, and fell in love with all things flying. Um, and then after that, for I did that for about 10 years and then realized there really wasn't much of a future with that because if you got out, you had to start over with an agency usually doing search and rescue or, you know, it was most of the time it's volunteering if you're out in the civilian sector. So decided to throw in an officer package and go uh, nurse corps. So did that, got accepted and then went to school for a couple of years, came back in as an officer and did another almost 14 years as an officer and then retired in 2019. So yeah, still trying to figure out the next phase of my life, I think. <laughs> I think we're all, well, Perry's got his shit worked out, but me and Derek definitely don't know what we want to do when we grow up. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have no fucking clue. Nikki, did and you I have the same lucky. problem? Did you have the same problem I did? So like when I got out of the army, I didn't know how like civilian medicine worked. And I was like taking this paramedic exam and I was like, well, I've got ADD and I've like just always dealt with it. I was like, I, probably, yeah. I can use some, I can use some Adderall. So like, I just went into this urgent care and they're like, what do you need? I was like, I want Adderall. And uh, they're like, yeah, we don't, we don't do that. And I was like, what do you mean you don't do that? And I was like, 
I mean, where do I go? And they're like, your primary care physician. I was like, I don't, I'm 35 years old. I don't have a fucking primary <laughs> care physician. I just want, I want, yeah. I want drugs for one week. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't really know. So that was part of the thing is that I, I, I don't really know what I was thinking because, you know, you throw your package in to retire and they approve it about a year out, but it just didn't really register until probably six months and maybe less than that before I was to retire. So I didn't do any of the the stuff you're supposed to do when you're getting out, like the, you know, make sure your medical shit's all in order and, you know, have disability, what all, all the stuff that you're supposed to do, the VA and everything. I didn't do any of that until I got out and I had hurt my knee and I was like, well, shit, how do I, like, how do you do this? Like, do you just call the doctor? Like, I don't, I don't know how this works. And so, um, and even just picking with the TRICARE stuff, because, and this might be like, I don't know, are did you retire or did you just get out? No, nah, I couldn't take the bullshit. I got out at seven. You were smart. Well, I broke it up. I went enlisted and then officer. So that's the only reason why I ended up retiring. Because if I did, you know, everything is enlisted or officer, I wouldn't have made it either. But um, yeah, so retiring, you know, you have to pick like your, your TRICARE and there's standard and um, select and prime and all this different shit. So I'm on the phone with her. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. What, what am I supposed to do? And she's like, well, just get the select and then you can actually call any doctor that takes TRICARE and you can go right in, even a specialist. And so my experience actually was, was better on the outside than it was in the military because I was able to just call an orthopedic surgeon go right in, didn't have to have like a primary care provider and a consult and all that stuff. Cause I don't know if you guys have been in the military, you know, military medicine, if you have any type of, you know, aches or pains, it's like, Oh, just go home with some Motrin and, and wait it out for a few months. And then you come back and it's like, yeah, my, my knee's still broken or my <laughs> whatever is still not working. And then six months down the road, maybe you'll get your MRI if you're lucky. Um, with this, he was like, he examines my knee and he's like, all right, you need an MRI. And he was like, just go downstairs and get one. And I was like, what? I was like, wait, so I got in to see you within two days and I'm getting the MRI on the same. I mean, it was just like mind blowing. So, um, we had that shit in a battalion with this PT that we had and he was a kind of a cock bag, man. He, uh, <laughs> like he would not send anybody for an MRI. Like he just thought he was wasting money. I was like, motherfucker, that thing is bought and paid for sitting in Martin army. It's not like we have to like go pay for it. Every time you send somebody to get an MRI to figure out actually what the fuck's wrong with them. Instead of guessing you can send them there and they will give you a, a magnetic image of their entire body. I know it sounds like witchcraft, but that's how the sum bitch works. And you could know exactly what's wrong with them. And he was just like, oh, I'm saving the army money. How? How? They already bought the fucking thing. Well, Sorry. See, I, is, get, I get jacked up about that right, shit. You're right. You're right. I spent most of my, or all my career in military medicine, so I get it. Um, I don't know. I don't know whose money they're thinking they're saving other than, you know, it's one of those, the, the fucking fit right. I'm sorry. Can I swear? <laughs> I just sweared a lot. Okay. So anyway, the fucking fit rights, which is like, if you ever read any of my posts, I go a lot into this and it drives me nuts with these senior, you know, everybody with, I have to put something on my fit rep. So saving money seems to be the number one freaking bullet point with a lot of these fucking people. And so I think as you know, when you're an, a doctor or a PA and you're kind of on the bottom of the totem pole, like 
how do I save money? Oh, I save money by not fucking taking care of my people and not ordering the tests that they need. Um, you know, so they can put it on their fit rep and, and look like they're someone special, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I don't get that. I don't understand why a lot of the providers won't order tests or it takes, you know, six months to go through the system just to get a fucking MRI or CAT scan or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's why I was like, when I went out and I was able to just go right into this, this specialist office and he's like, yeah, go get the MRI. I was just like, I did. I actually did a whole post on it because I was so mind blown by it. I'm like, I saw a doctor in one day and got my MRI the same day. It's just like, we're so traumatized, I think, in the military of not, you know, being able to get seen appropriately or, you know, get the, the right medicine, which I think leads to a lot about bad outcomes with a lot of these guys. And you're hearing, I don't know if you follow, follow um, the Hunter 7 Foundation. Yeah. Have you heard of him? So I work with them a lot and they're like following a lot of these, these veterans that are getting cancer and like other strange illnesses. And I feel like a lot of this can be preventative. Like the there's a lot of colon cancers. Like these guys are like in their 30s and early 40s. And colon cancer is like one of the most curable cancers if you catch it early. But once you it, it spreads, it's one of the deadliest cancers. And, it's, and it happens pretty fast if you get diagnosed in stage four. Um, but I think a lot of it is that, you know, these providers don't listen to people. They don't want to order tests. They don't want to you know, look into what's going on with these guys and then they end up dying. So yeah, kind of went on a tangent there, but. <laughs> no, it, it's valid. And then, you know, one of the big problems, like, so Derek, um, pull back the curtain a little bit. One of the big issues with the uh, MRI at Martin Army is the fucking trainees at Sand Hill. There's so many privates that are either are getting injured because they're weak boned coming in or they're faking because they realize they don't want to be in the army <clears throat> that the MRI, it, that that like desyncs the entire post for the, that MRI machine, like it's it's really insane. So um, it's one of the big problems. There's just not enough to go around, and that's one of the reasons why they build. Like we've got a lot of, you know, every battalion has a PA, mm-hmm. but even that's not enough. One PA for an entire battalion doesn't handle it. And then you know, as you go up the chain to the specialist, the specialist, the specialist, there's not enough of those specialists to go around, and that's why they have to do this triage of like six weeks of physical therapy and it's stupid. I mean, that's what my knee was fucked up when I came out of the uh, infantry officers course. It would have been like a three month fix, but it yeah. took 11 months and they misdiagnosed me. I did the wrong rehab. I made it worse. Yeah. Like I was just stuck in this gum, you know, the works of just this uh, carousel of different providers and trainers. And like, it was stupid. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the system's definitely broken. And that's why I laugh. Like anytime anybody tells me that they, are supporters of universal healthcare yeah. and like private or uh, public medicine. And I'm like, yo, that sounds great. Like, yeah, if I, we could all snap our fingers and be like healthcare for all, like anybody would do it, but that's not reality. And like, right. I've been doing a decade of socialized medicine and it's fucking shitty. Yeah. <laughs> like I pay to go off post to go, like I pay out of pocket to go for uh, physical therapy yeah. because it's quicker, it's faster and it's more efficient. And I would rather just pay the money out of my own pocket. You motherfuckers yeah. are a fan of it until you actually get into it. And then you have to wait a year just to see a damn doctor only to have him reschedule at the last minute. And you're like, well, what do I do now? No, you can go to to any of our ERs and know that socialized medicine is not, not the answer. (laughs) When I know people by their first names because they come in so often and before when it used to be, you know, our, our records were associated to our social security numbers, people would come in and I knew their social, their sponsor's social security number because 
the family comes in so much and the wife and they're, you know, 15 kids or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's not good. It's like, are you bored? I, I don't understand that whole, like, oh, I'm bored. I'm going to go to the ER and just hang out for six hours. <laughs> my, my wife used to be an ER nurse and the stories that she would tell of the, those frequent flyers and yeah. the people like to say the people that she would get to know on a first name basis. And it's like, oh, it's Tuesday night. So-and-so is going to show up yep. at clockwork. <laughs> and it's like, Jesus Christ, people, the fuck is going on here? Yeah, it's it's crazy how much people come to the. It's like they're lonely or so. I don't I don't know what their deal is, but it's it's fun for them, I guess. It's free. That's part of it. It's free, yeah. And that's exactly. why, like, if we just charged even just ten dollars, ten or fifteen dollars, that would because you know money's money for people, and that's that in itself would would take care of a lot of these guys. But no, we won't do it. <laughs> nope. Because it, it doesn't sound sound good, right? Because everybody deserves medicine and deserves um, that, and like it's just it just doesn't work. And we we see that. And then I mean, you know, you look at the pharmaceutical industry and then how corrupt that is, and then yeah. the insurance industries, and like, like the actual cost of medicine isn't even that high, but it's it's so artificially inflated, and that inflates yeah. because of the insurance and because of the pharmaceutical and, and the regulations around all that, like. We could just re- reduce the cost of medicine so quickly. It's like amoxicillin. If you buy fish mox, mm-hmm. it's like a hundredth of the price. And you can buy it at like Petco. But if you want to buy like actual amoxicillin, it's like a hundred times more expensive. And you have to buy it with a prescription through it. But it's the exact same amoxicillin. It's, yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, it's like if you go to you know another country, if you go to Mexico or um, when I was in Iraq, I, I went to Iraq right after I got out and I was volunteering out there and the pharma- <laughs> the pharmacies are like 711 there's like one on every corner every family owns one you can walk in and get pretty much anything you want like there's boxes of like i don't know morphine and like all these you know Xanax and uh Valium <laughs> like holy shit um actually their controlled substances are antibiotics which i thought was was interesting but you can pretty much get everything else over the counter so and it's it's very cheap like the ivermectin deal i could go to a pharmacy in mexico and it's you know you can it's stocked there and it's like 11 dollars per pill and here now they're trying to like i think they're upcharging it to 100 or something so bunch yeah. of bullshit it is crazy well they're like limiting people's access to ivermectin which is crazy uh-huh. well um, it's political so. yeah. like they're <laughs> actually they're going after doctors uh license that actually uh-huh. write prescriptions to it like it's it's fucking yeah. insane really oh, yeah. i mean that should be that should be a red flag anytime administrators get involved in you know what a doctor can prescribe and what they can order and the treatments and all that stuff and i still say a lot <laughs> I kind of jump into that topic but um a lot of those people that died in the hospital died unnecessarily because of the treatment plan that the government told them that they needed to follow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, anytime a politician is directing like the actual, you know, guidance for the professionals, like you have a problem, whether that's yeah. war, whether that's, you know, medicine, whether that's fucking construction, like anything. And like, you see that. And that's why, everything that touches is kind of turns the ship, but um, we can get off of that. Cause we could go down we could do a whole podcast on the, the political stuff, <laughs> which we have, and we definitely can do that at some point, but um, I want to get talk more about you, Nikki. So let's, you know, so you transition out of the military. What was like, you know, we, you had a lot of unknown, obviously. So like, as you were doing that, I, I feel like you've kind of like 
just based on following you for a while and in our interactions, you've kind of like reinvented yourself since then. <laughs> and so what is, what has that been like? And like your focus and like, you're getting new hobbies and you're taking up, you know, long range marksmanship, you know, hunting, obviously fitness is becoming, you know, a passion and a, kind of an obsession uh, in a good way. And so like kind of, kind of let us hear about that and like how that kind of unfolded. Well, I mean, so I got out and again, I didn't do anything traditional. So when they tell you to take that year, if you, once you know, you're getting out, you get orders to, to leave, you know, take that time for yourself and, you know, really figure out what you want to do because I worked up until that Friday. So Friday was my last day and I was at my desk still working because, and, and the reason is not because I'm like this huge workaholic, but I was running a program for the Marine Corps, which was the medevac stuff. And it was my baby and I created it. And I was like, I was just really worried that it wasn't going to go on. And, you know, like we'd set up such a good program, um, just got really kind of obsessive with it. And so I'm there on a Friday and it was to the point where some of my guys were like, well, what do you mean you won't be here Monday? And I was like, oh, this is my last day in the Navy. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Like the CEO comes out and is like, what the hell are you doing here? I'm like, I'm just trying to wrap all this stuff up. So when I woke up on Monday morning, it was, you know, it was, it was almost like, oh, I have to go to work it, because there just wasn't that, that downtime or that transition time while I was in. And so it, it was really kind of surreal to me. And that was the hardest part. And that's why I always say, you know, make sure you do prepare yourself. And I tell you to do all those classes and like, I know the tap stuff is really boring, but they do give you a lot of good information and, you know, step away from your desk, turn it over to whoever's taking it over and, you know, start working on what you're going to do the rest of your life. Because I was kind of in this shock phase, I think, for a good month or so, just not, I'm like, I really don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with myself. <laughs> and again, this is, you know, almost 24 years of my adult life. So I went right from high school into the military. It's like, I didn't even know what to wear. <laughs> it's just really... You know, you just you know what you're gonna wear every day when you you get up. You know where you're going. You know, just there's just so much like routine and structure that it was like almost being let out of prison, I think. And then you know the gates close behind you and you turn around. It's like I don't I don't want to be in this big world. It's like when you um, let a toddler fucking dress themselves. I got a sweater and bathing suit yeah. bottoms and rain boots. Let's go to yeah. Walmart. Yeah. It's, it's, it was kind of like that. And it was just one of those, like, what the hell do I do with myself? How do I dress myself? And then it kind of hit me that I have freedom. And so I just, I, I swear I picked up everything that I wanted to do. And like this, you know, within a few months, I was learning how to fly helicopters. I was jumping out of airplanes. I was, you know, trying to learn how to shoot long range. Um, I don't know. There was a bunch of other stuff that I just kept piling onto my plate. Plus I would take a couple of jobs and like try to figure out that part of it. And it, it was just, I don't know, I was kind of a mess. And I remember about six months after being retired, I was, I had this plate full of shit and I was like, okay, now it's time to start unloading all of this stuff and really figuring out what I want to do, which I feel like, you know, what are we three years later? I'm still kind of like, I still don't know what I really want to do, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do enjoy everything that I, I started. It was just, I decided to pick the most expensive hobbies all at the same time. So flying helicopters, you know, it was like $350 an hour to, for one lesson. Um, shooting long ranges, you guys probably know, is not cheap at all. Uh, and especially with the the whole ammo situation is because I, I picked up a 6.5 Creedmoor and apparently so did the rest of the world. <laughs> 
<laughs> ammo is like non-existent um and then what else did i do oh skydiving yeah that's that's not jake either so did uh so, did you get to use your gi bill for the uh the helicopter stuff because i know i had some buddies that that's what they did or did you already use I it when you went to uh school so I used part of it when I went to school, but I, I do have some leftover. I didn't use it because the way out here, I would have had to go through like a community college and then it would have been, it just would have taken a lot longer. And I was really impatient and I wanted to get into a helicopter like right now and start flying. So um, I'm sure there's a way or I think it's you can start using it once you get your private license or something like that. Um I don't know. I didn't really look into it because I I wasn't really doing it to like have a career in it afterwards. I just wanted to learn how to fly. I'm not really sure why still to this day, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. I just figure, you know, if I'm ever in a helicopter and the pilot, I don't know, has a heart attack, I can put that thing on the ground. So. <laughs> just like it's every action movie ever. Like, the pilot always gets right? shot. You need That's somebody my first in the back. Thought. I was like, yeah. This is definitely some Bruce Willis diehard shit right there. <laughs> I'm like, if I have a parachute, I can either jump out or I can land that bitch. So yeah, we're good. <laughs> oh yeah. And so yes, I started getting into hunting as well. And that that's actually something I've always wanted to do. I just had no idea where to start because I am a city girl and was never around any of that, not around even shooting or anything like that. So um that was probably the hardest part was trying to figure out how to start learning that. And I, you know, there's a lot of people I know on Instagram that are all hunters or whatever, but it just doesn't seem like people really want to help you. <laughs> I mean, they'll talk about it and they'll tell you kind of what you need to know, but you know, I, I went to this hunter recruitment project. So it's a couple of guys that I know that are really cool and they put this together and their intention was, you know, for new hunters to come out and they, they match you up with a guide um, and they take you out. But it's, it's a private ranch thing. And and it was great. Like I got my first doe out there, but I, I didn't learn like the other stuff as far as like, you know, people started talking about tags and I was like, what's a tag? <laughs> what does that mean? Like, you know, had no idea what any of that stuff was. So just trying to to navigate and learn all those things has been kind of a process for sure. <laughs> what was it about hunting that intrigued you in the first place? Was it the was it the the adventure of it? Was it the the, the you know the food, the nutrition? I mean, what was what having no background, what gave you that initial kind of desire to to get into it? I think a lot of it has to do with um I was saying earlier that I'm an introvert and so my plan sometime down the road is I would love to just get some kind of house and a lot of property in the middle of nowhere. And that kind of started, you know, like, well, how would I, you know, feed myself, feed my kids. And so the hunting thing, that's, that was the most intriguing is being able to go out and, and get food, you know, and, and just from that, right from the field, right, you know, to the plate type of thing. And so, and then knowing where your food comes from and it's fresh and, um, kind of started digging into more about like where our food comes from, especially when it's processed through like the grocery store and all that and like what's in it. And, you know, you, it's just stuff that you don't think about if you're not in that industry. You go to the grocery store, you pick up some meat, you go home and cook it and eat it. And you don't realize what is actually in that stuff until you start digging and 
you know, learning about hormones and, and what the animals eat out on these farms or whatever. And it's just, it's kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah. The disconnect with our food system, I think is definitely one of the larger problems um, we kind of face in society. Cause I think there's like trickle down effects from that as well. But I think, you know, if we look at the good things that came out of COVID um, I think that's one of the really good ones is that people, you know, with, when we went through the meat shortages and the grocery store shortages, everybody was like, oh shit, like I need to probably understand this food system a little bit better. Um, not everybody, but a lot of people did. <laughs> and I know I had a lot of friends that like never thought about hunting, but then all of a sudden I've got two deep freezes that are totally full and they're freaking out because they can't get chicken. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like I can, I probably got two years of meat if I needed it. And, uh, and I had, that was a lot of my friends in the army that hadn't really hunted and were suddenly became a lot more interested and asked me questions and ask about it and got into it. And we saw just nationally, it was the first year in like 40 years that we actually saw a rise in overall, uh, hunting license sales. Yeah. So, you know, some of that's probably time, right? People have more time now getting out of the rat race, which I think is another benefit. That was something that was huge for me. And like my decision to start really working to transition out of the army is that I had so much time with my wife. Like it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and so I think, that's huge. And like getting back into it and learning the hunting thing. And it's yeah. been good for us because it's kind of coincided and helped us grow as people's interest uh, spiked. Well, learning about the tags and everything, um, I guess before, I, uh, you know, of course it's like, oh, it's just like shooting. You know, I start shooting the 6.5 Creedmoor and then it seems like everybody else is. And then the whole ammo situation, it seems kind of the same thing with hunting because I guess tags were a lot easier to get. And so now, like I, when the Idaho thing, they, you know, started selling their tags December 1st and I kind of forgot about it. And I was like, oh, should I need to log on? And I think I was like number 29,000 or something on this online virtual waiting line or whatever. And it was just like 29,000 people. <laughs> right, and that was the first day. So I was like, this is, is this how it always is? <laughs> That's crazy. Um, I did end up getting a white tail tag. And so here's. Again, when I say I like kind of jump in head first and think about it later, I don't really know Idaho. I did go up there and I was kind of hanging out with one of my buddies just to learn a little bit more, but I don't know anything about there. I didn't even know anything about units. So when I'm on this website and it, you know, I finally, it's my turn and I pick a whitetail and it says what unit I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Like, what do you mean, what unit? And so I, I started texting my friend. Thankfully, he was on his phone. I'm like, hey, I don't, what unit should I get? And he threw out a number. And I was like, okay, that's available. So I'll get it. But, you know, people are like, oh, you have a tag. Like, you know, when, where's that unit? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I have the tag. So I guess I'll figure it out when, when the season starts. But yeah. That sounds like my first <laughs> season out here in Colorado. I, I'd already missed the draw. And so it was a leftover list came out. And whatever tag I could get, I was just grabbing them. And yeah. then I was like, fuck it, I'll figure it out later. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it worked out. I learned a lot. But um, sometimes that's just what you got to do is just if you want to learn something, is just jump head first right into it and then figure it out later. You know, like people get analysis paralysis. Like, so I have so many buddies from back east that have just been like doing research for years on like an elk hunt or, a, you know, a mule deer hunt. It's like, fuck it, dude. Just go out and do it. Like, you're, yeah. you could read 100 books, but nothing's going to beat that experience of boots on the ground. Yeah. Walking around the woods, walking around the mountain. Like, like yeah. Derek went out this year and got his ass kicked. Didn't see a single animal, but <laughs> he learned where elk aren't ready. Fire <laughs> aim, baby. Send it. 
<laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I honestly, I think that's the best way to, to learn. And it was the same thing with the military. My military career is just, let me sign up for search and rescue. I have no idea really what this is about, but I guess I'll figure it out when I get there. And I, I had my fucking ass handed to me several times during that process, but that's how you, I don't know, you learn and you grow from those experiences. So, <laughs> but yeah, this, this whole, uh, deer tag is going to be a experience. I don't even, I have to figure out when the season starts. So I guess I'll be just driving my ass up there. Look for unit 20. <laughs> where did you, uh, where did you get that elk from this year? So that was down in Texas. Um, that was a ranch. So it's called Granite Ranch and it's near Midland. And that, so the owner of that ranch, he only lets veterans come on um, and hunt all these different animals and they have exotics down there and stuff. So, I mean, the ranch, that's, that's been kind of my only experience is going to these private ranches, which I am kind of torn about. I mean, it was good to have my first experience, I think, just to like get the whole killing an animal out of the way and like figuring that part out. Um, I did do that when I went to Idaho with my buddy. That was a public land thing. And <laughs> I did realize I need to get in a lot better shape to, to go. Cause that guy, like he lives in the mountains. And so he's just like, he's like a billy goat, just jumping, trying to chase all these elk. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, one, I just had driven 14 hours to Idaho from California. And then he, I got there like really late. And he's like, all right, we're starting at like six in the morning. <laughs> So really no sleep, pack all the camping gear, head out there. And like, he wants to start running around chasing elk with a bow. <laughs> so, like, what elevation I'm were going you at? to die. And you know, it's like freezing ass cold. Huh? What elevation were you guys at? Oh gosh. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm going to say like maybe four or 5,000 feet. Where Wasn't you, anything crazy, but. Where do you live at though? Like I mean, that could be a big difference, you know. I'm near sea level. I'm near San yeah. Diego. So yeah. that's a that's a big. Yeah, thing. I mean, I, yeah, I was I was feeling it for sure. And then it's you know 20 degrees and and less, and you know I'm in California where it's like 80 degrees. So I was trying to get used to all of the elements, and he was kind of like, "Come on, let's go. If you're gonna go, let's go." I'm like, "Fuck, I'm gonna die." <laughs> so yeah. And like a lot of the times, you know, I've got my freaking like hiking poles out and he's just jumping up these mountains. I'm like, just go. I will figure it out. If I get lost in the mountains, it's whatever. I'll figure it out. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> you're fine. But yeah. That I will say, I think, I think you're doing like, there's so, so much stigma, right? With social media and these fucking purists on, you know, ranches and high fence and not. And like, it's really hard to, um, you can't simulate like killing an animal yeah. like other than killing an animal. And so, and I think the biggest thing for that, for at least for me, cause we're getting ready to go on a high fence pig hunt and like, it's, it'll be our first uh, experience with it. And I'm really ex ex uh, excited to kind of just see it, you know, yeah. and pull back the curtain a little bit, but folks get so wrapped up in that. And like, <clears throat> what's better spend eight years trying to kill your first elk as a purist. Then you yeah. finally kill one. And, badass man or like you can shorten this learning curve by getting animals on the ground learning how to butcher learn you know and that's we lucked out perry and i by growing up back east you know and you can get six you know 10 whitetail tags and you know by the time we were in our 20s we'd killed 40 50 deer and yeah. you just can't replicate that and so yeah. i think you know because how many animals did you kill this year 
Uh, this year, just two. Or no, actually, well, it was last year because December. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Is that a? That was your first season, honey. That no. So the first, the first two I killed in twenty twenty at that with the hunter recruitment project down in Georgia. So I got two doe that year or that trip, and then this next opportunity came in Texas and. Um, yeah, it was a high fence thing. And again, I being new, I don't, you know, it's like, what's okay. I know there's the public land thing and like getting that experience in Idaho. And then, you know, then there's these ranches and, I, and now I'm learning more that there are people who are like, Oh, like the, the high fence thing or whatever. And it's just like, I don't like, I'm kind of, you know, in line with your thinking is like, well, after going in the mountains and doing the public land thing, like that would probably take me. 10 years to figure that out and, and get an animal versus like you're saying, you can learn faster and, you know, learning how to like get the animal there once you shoot it and um, take out all the insides and then put it, you know, take it for processing and that whole thing. Like you would never learn that. I think if you are brand new and try and do the public hunting thing on your own, especially if, you know, without growing up and doing that all the time, or that's, you know, not my life. Like I live in California. So like, like with this guy, he lives, breathes that that's what he does all the time you know for me it's like i have to drive to all these different locations and obviously you're probably not going to get anything you know the first trip maybe the second third fourth trip whatever and you know with it this the time in between is just you know there's not really a lot of room for learning with with that so yeah i mean you've been hunting two years now and you've killed four animals like that's more than a lot of hunters do and five, six, eight years, especially out West where you might have one or two tags. And if it doesn't go right, you you know, like, like this year, fuck, I don't know. I did a lot of hunting and spent a lot of money on tags and I killed one white tailed doe down in Texas. Yeah. I had a lot of really cool experiences. I was close to a lot of animals. Some things weren't my fault. Some things were, but, uh, you know, like, and you killed four in two years. Like that's huge. And like, who gives a shit if it's legal and it's, you know, because like ethical is so, it's in the eye of the beholder, right? Like you're not smashing bush lights, shooting from the back of a truck under a spotlight. Right. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, I yeah. Think, you can't, re- you can't replace that at all. Yeah. And the experience with the elk was really cool. Um, so we had, you know, you go and you, you look for him and then like the one that I got was, it was a pretty, like the shot wasn't easy. <laughs> I mean, I was down below her. I was probably about 200, 250 yards out. And I was, there was a fence and trees. And then there was another uh, cow elk that was like, kind of like kept poking her head out in front. And, and the one that I was going for was like head on with me. And so, you know, I was waiting to see if she turned sideways and she just like was staring me down the whole time, which is like, Hey, (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a, like, you know, I, I wasn't going to take the shot unless I was sure of my capabilities of, of shooting her. And when she wasn't, she just stood there like she was firm and where she was standing. And so I took the the shot up front and then I got her right in the lung. So it was, it was a, it was a great experience, like setting, you know, it kind of was putting that, you know, my long range rifle stuff that I was learning together with the hunting and to be able to put it together and be successful was, was a really cool feeling. So and I have all her meat. Like she's in my freezer right now. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got exactly one more elk than I have. So 
<laughs> kudos. I would definitely go down and uh, and do that. So yeah, she's definitely no judgment from anybody on this team. But um, did you get the opportunity to actually do the processing or at least some of the processing yourself? Did you see like the did you gut it or did, did they teach you how to gut it there? Yeah, so they're teaching me how to gut it, um, and then you know part of the processing, and then we we brought her over to one of the processors there. Um, and then I watched them do their thing. They're they're really fast though. They obviously do it a lot. <laughs> so they had I had two. I had a deer and a an elk, and they had those things cut and stripped within like seconds of getting there. But um, I what I would like to do next now is just you know wherever I am, bring the animal back with me. And then um, I do a lot with the ranch Julian, which is Chris Cook. I think she might be on your show at some point. Um, yeah, we were, but she was like, her. just bring it over here. And we'll, we'll process it here. Yeah. She's awesome. But yeah. So the next one I do, I'll try to get it back over here and then we'll learn how to, to do all the processing and everything. So. That's yeah. That's cool. awesome. And like, that's even if, even if you decide like it's just easier and quicker and time sake to, and you don't want to invest in all the, the equipment yourself long-term just doing it a few times. So you have that skill set. I think is one of those just, you know, it's like being able to apply a tourniquet, uh, being able to stop the bleed. Like you, it's a skill set that everybody should have. How to yeah. break down an animal, start to finish, to be able to eat it yourself. Yeah, um, and, and that's, that's what. Um, speaking about Chris again, so a lot of her retreats that she does, and it's fortunately they're right near me, so I can go to, to all of them. One, um, she has a three D archery range in her at her ranch, which is really cool. But she does that, so she brings an animal in. We end up, you know, we do all the the skinning, processing, learning how to do all that, and we bring the kids in, and they learn how to do it, and they're involved with cutting it up. And um, we're actually doing a women's retreat on in April because I had a lot of interest. And so that was one of my things when I got into hunting is that I know a lot of men in hunting, but I've also found that men like to be with other men when they're hunting. <laughs> They they don't really want women around, and so um, if they do want women around, it's for a different purpose. And so it's like, okay, this isn't working. Um, so then I I kind of came up with the idea of like maybe we can just get like minded females together and do our own little thing. And so I I wrote a post about it, and I had tons of women write in, and they were like, I would love to be able to get it started. And you know, and it it can be intimidating with the shooting and the hunting and being around men that's one thing I'm comfortable with is, is being around guys because oftentimes when I was in the military, the community I was in was only men. I was the only female. So I had to get used to that really quickly. And now it's to the point where I'm, I'm more comfortable, I think around guys than I am about, around women, but I can see where it's, it is intimidating because even, you know, for me to get started is like, you know, a little timid, but, um, I had, many women write in and they're like, I'd love to do something like that and get started. So the women's thing that we're doing in April is, you know, geared towards any woman who's interested in learning how, you know, getting started in the hunting community, um, archery community. We're going to do the whole processing with one of the animals and, you know, it's a good networking event so people can start meeting each other and then, you know, taking off. And then hopefully I can find someone that (laughs) wants to go on a road trip to Idaho and figure out this whole tag issue that I've got going on. So yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, we just uh, expanded our team program uh, yeah. for Hunt Lift Eat, and we've been doing fuck three weeks therica interviews, something like that. Yeah, every night, <laughs> and uh, it's been really cool because we had, I mean, yeah, and we had over a hundred people apply and interviewed almost all of them, and it was it was really cool. But 
That's uh, cool. I'm glad it's over. <laughs> I was going to apply, but I was like, I feel like I'm like a, you know, a long distance <laughs> supporter. <laughs> Everybody's yeah, long we're gonna distance. We're going to open it back up and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Derek's in Florida, Perry's in North Carolina and I'm in Colorado. So yeah, we're going to reopen it probably somewhere uh, three to six months. So definitely drop your application if you're interested, because that's something that was really cool is the, it's not a ton, but I think we had 12, 10, 12 females we just added to the team right. and which is really awesome. And a big array of skill sets. Like one of them's brand new to hunting did not find very similar, like could not find any support. Yeah. was like applying to, she, you know, she had uh, applied to a couple of different hunting like, clubs and then they basically were like, Oh no, we're filled up, you know? And like <laughs> just kind of stonewalled her a little bit. And then I really hated to hear that. And so what I kind of, my vision for it is, as we continue to grow and, and target, you know, the, the woman demographic a little more is like some, like we're going to do an episode that's like just females on the podcast. Like yeah. my wife's going to host it and that's going to be really cool. And then, I want to do some like events where it's just women, like kind of what you guys are doing that they can, they can learn, they can shoot, they can ask questions to each other and not have a bunch of knuckle draggers like us out there, you know, gumming up the work. So I, I think that is definitely a big problem yeah. and it's something that we need to be, you know, all we talk about is recruitment in the hunting world and like how we need to get more hunters. Well, if you figure the majority of hunters are grown adults, most of them are probably married. Yeah. If we could just reach out to their spouses. We could almost double the number of hunters out there. Right. But a lot of those guys, don't want their wives to hunt yeah. like Perry is very happy that his wife doesn't like to hunt because <laughs> it's his, it's his getaway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the way I look at it is <clears throat> I'm already going to hunt, but if I can hunt with my wife, then I can just, you know, it's just more opportunity because then we're spending quality time together in the tree stand or whatever. So yeah. And yeah, for the record, I was, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say for the record, I spent years trying to convince her to like, look, this is something fun that, you know, it's, you can get outdoors shooting guns, you know, but something about those cold mornings waking up, like you say at four o'clock that doesn't intrigue her. But you know, I've got a, I've got a daughter that's three years old. I mean, nothing would make me happier than if she fell in love with it someday. And, yeah. you know, I, my son, I've taken him out a couple of times, but like, I really, really hope my little girl gets into hunting. That would be fantastic. Yeah. And that's it. You know, it's, it's kind of a, um, you know, especially for young girls. And that's one of the, I have daughters and it's like my one daughter loves to go shooting with me. And I just like, like, it's empowering, you know, and you hear like all these different women are like, oh, empowerment and blah, blah, blah. And I, I feel like they look at it differently than I do, you know, empowering my daughter or whatever myself is more like this stuff, being able to, again, that was such a cool experience to be able to set up my gun, my rifle, figure out my dope for this elk, you know, and then like, be able to shoot her and then now she's in my freezer and I can you know we're we're eating her and <laughs> it's just that to me is empowerment you know like I know that if I if this world goes to shit which God knows I mean seems to be kind of happening faster than <laughs> I ever would have thought in my lifetime um you know that I can probably manage to to put food on the table or feed my family so you know it's really really good feeling. Unfortunately, it looks more like most of these people think empowerment is like getting the right pronouns and making sure everybody's got a fucking safe space instead of actually being self-sustaining and being able to take care of themselves. Yeah. Well, you get, you have this, also this, this feminist movement, you know, where it's like, oh, we have to, to me, it's like that whole movement, the purpose is to try to, you know, hold men down, like 
demasculate men or make men evil for you to have, you know, power, feel strong. And that's not how that goes. Right. So, um, I have a lot of, a lot of, that could be a whole nother topic to a whole nother podcast, but I have a lot of issues with that movement. I think it, it actually brings women back so many, you know, all the forward movement that we've made over the years, it just takes us right back, you know, to where we were in the first place where, you know, when you're talking about stuff like women wanting to do, um, you know, something that we're not usually into, like the, the special operations world, right? It's, I feel like these movements with lowering standards and that type of thing is just making us go backwards because now when men don't really want us around, right? It's like, and you can feel that. Like if you walk into a room with a bunch of men, everyone gets quiet. No one wants to talk to you. Um, like, I feel like that's kind of the, you know, men are afraid to, to look at a woman wrong. They're afraid, like, especially in the military. And I'm sure you guys are feeling it if you're active duty, you know, oh God forbid, if like, you don't even want to be alone in a room with a woman just in case, you know she says that you looked at her wrong or you touched her or whatever, you know, like it's just, it's really brought us backwards, I think. So. I have a very strict course. Granted it's across all genders, but I'm never alone with a soldier ever. So a female it's not just any women, it, any, but I mean, it, it applied it for me. It started with, I was just like, I'm never going to be alone with a female soldier. Yeah. One, I think it's probably just good practice anyways, but um, especially in my, like as a company commander, like, yeah, they're just eyebrow raising guys put themselves in really compromising positions, whether they mean to or not, but um, with any soldier, because it, it's not, there is just this culture of, I don't want to say it's fear because I don't really, I'm not afraid because like, I know I'm not a careerist anyway, so fuck it. But it, there is like a, well, this might be what, what gets me. This might be the end. You know, if the wrong person hears you say the wrong thing or, yeah. you know, one of my guys, you know, has the, the wrong joke in the in front of the wrong person. It, it's just, Instead, like when I came up, like granted, there was no women in my units because I was in the infantry or I'm in the infantry, but it was as far as like race, like, yeah, there was racial jokes, but they were like back and forth against everybody. Yeah. You know, it was like everybody's green type deal. And now it's like race has been so pounded that it's like, I got to be careful because I am still on active duty. But like, it just, there's just like a lot of stuff now where I feel like it's more divisive. And I think it's the same with men and women as well. But that's what I'm saying is that like, you know, there's, we've gotten to this place where like the cancel culture bullshit, right? So it just takes one person to say they perceive something that wasn't even, you know, right or wrong, but there's no like, you know, trial or whatever. Like, it's just this person saying that. And all of a sudden, like the, the person that's going to be wrong is probably the white male in the room. And that's like, you know what I mean? Like what the, how did we fucking get to this point? So, um, which isn't, that doesn't help in any type of organization or situation. So like you're in the military and now you've got people afraid to even like say things on their mind or talk or tell a fucking joke, you know, because of fear of saying the wrong thing or someone perceiving it being wrong or whatever. And, and these young people know this, you know? So it's like, I don't know. They know it's almost like they, they have this power to like, you know, do and say whatever the fuck they want. And thing with the military is that, you know, that's not going to work out in like the battlefield. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I think we've, we've gone backwards with all of this wokeness that's going on. <laughs> yeah. As a civilian, I'll say like at some point those chickens are going to come home to roost and you know, God, I hope it's not in, in our lifetime, but it, when they do, it's going to be ugly. And that's just, you know, it's frankly kind of terrifying. Yeah. 
And it's really, I mean, for it to happen so quickly, like I said, in our lifetime, you know, I'm scared for our children. I don't know what this world's going to look like just 10 years from now, you know, like we have from just think about like two, I remember 2010, I was in Afghanistan. I didn't even, my phone was one of the, not a smartphone. <laughs> I think I had a flip phone, you know, and it was just like, oh, having an, an Apple phone was like a cool, special thing. And now everyone has one. And like the technology is just ruined so much. And that's just in 10 years. So 10 six years, year olds have iPhones. Yeah, they have iPhones. They know how to navigate these things better than I do. I mean, it's just, it's terrifying. You know, there's all these chat groups and, you know, all the different social media apps. And I read something interesting about like TikTok, TikTok's owned by China, that they were actually filtering certain things in like our direction in our country. And then they're filtering it for them. So like, a lot of this like wokeness stuff or like, you know, these like effeminate men or whatever, they don't allow that in China. So they've actually um, made it where those entertainers can't be, they've canceled like any like type, type of shows or entertainment, whatever they do. Um, whereas they're like moving that towards countries like ours, where this is what's feeding our children. You know what I mean? Like it's okay Meanwhile, with these men in dresses and nails and, and whatever they're doing. And yeah, over there, that's not okay. So like they're able to control, I mean, it's that's psychological warfare, right? So they're able to control what our children are are seeing, what's normal, what's what's acceptable, how you should be. And they're blocking it from like they're controlling and manipulating just this generation and how they're gonna grow up and think. So Yeah, it's terrifying. And it meanwhile, China's limiting that and yeah. it's sponsored by our White House. So yeah. And ultimately, all that shit Official comes ads. down. Yeah, ultimately, that all that shit comes down to the parents too, and and also the teachers, because like you've got you got kids spending eight nine hours a day at school, and if they end up with mm-hmm. a liberal teacher that pushes that agenda, they're they're pliable yeah. enough to where they're gonna start perhaps leaning that way. Like I always thought that the fucking homeschool kids were weird as shit, but like the the more and more we get into this bullshit, like I'm like, man, Quinn might just be that homeschooled weirdo. Cause yeah. like, I'll be damned if I'm going to let her go to school not, for that. Yeah. But that's not going to be like the, the homeschool kids are going to be like the, the normal kids. <laughs> the ones going to school are going to be the weirdos. But yeah, I mean, our kids are, are influenced by these teachers and a lot of these teachers, 90% of them are very liberal and they're talking about these things and we have no idea what they're saying. So, and you know, we can say like it's the parents, but you have you only have so much control with these guys. So and once they start getting phones and whatever, and that's kind of my thing is like, okay, well, I could take my phones. I have teenagers. I can take my phones from them. But, you know, I work and I need to be in touch with them or whatever. Um, you know, I guess we can go back to like, oh, just pick up a landline, which I mean, do they even exist anymore? <laughs> I feel like we're gonna get to a point where those aren't even going to exist. And but they, you know, they have to be able to get a hold of me. A lot of times they're home alone. So you know, they need to be able to communicate with me. And like these phones, like you can try to to limit their whatever, what they're seeing, but they, I'm telling you, they can backdoor things. They know more about technology and how to hide their apps and hide this and whatever than I do, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know really how to control it as a parent. Um, we also breed this society where it's, you know, bad to even like to discipline your children, you know, like, especially I'm, you know, in California. And I always tell the story about my mother who is in her seventies. She took my kids out to get yogurt 
And one of my kids was acting up. This was when they were like a lot younger, but one of them was acting up and my mom, my my Asian mother, <laughs> old school Asian mother, <laughs> spanks her. And someone, she was driving my car and someone follows her out of the yogurt shop, takes down my license plate. And the next thing I know, I have CPS at my house and they investigated me for six months over this incident. And it's just like, they pulled all three of my kids out of school without telling me and interviewed them. Like, this is what they do. And it's like, you know, and these kids know this because they're, they're preaching to them at school. Like, oh, if anything's going on at home, let us know. And, you know, like they... And kids don't understand the consequences of that, right? If they say, oh, my my dad spanked me or my mom spanked me, then, you know, the teachers, these, these teachers these days, like, oh, they're getting beat at home. And then now you've got CPS on your ass and it's it's just a mess. And so now we've like tied our the, the parents' hands from even being able to discipline your child, like what we were used to when we were growing up. So I don't know, like it's, it's, <laughs> it's a scary world out there. <laughs> and this generation is kind of fucked my opinion yeah i mean i think the only hope is that that and i think covid you know played an indirect or kind of a direct part in that is with the remote teaching is that you know these teachers are exposed you know yeah. within the the video chat the video school and, and you know, all that stuff is you know there's you know teachers showing up to cl- you know to the class quote unquote with in their pajamas or like looking all like trash and talking about ridiculous stuff and the parents can hear it. And they're like, they're, you know, they're off screen, but they're like listening to this and they're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. You know, my wife you know, is a teacher by profession. Um, she stopped when we had the kid and like, I don't think she's going to go back because of these issues. And like, she, she yeah. I mean, they don't pay them enough. They're not supported by the administrations. Like the ones that want to do the right thing. They're so hamstrung on what they can teach. Like the teachers that do want to do the right thing and make a difference yeah. are getting, I mean, we were in Georgia and she was a third grade teacher. This is Columbus, Georgia, which is not like, it's not California. Yeah. And um, one of the teachers, a third grade teacher would constantly talk to the kids about her gayness. And it's like, I don't care if my kid has a lesbian teacher. I don't give a shit. But yeah. just like, I don't want a straight man talking to my daughter about his straightness and his sexuality. Right. I don't want my teachers. Like, why is sexuality being discussed with elementary school kids? Yeah. It's fucking weird and very inappropriate yeah. and it's like common. And then if you try to stop that when there's like legislation that's getting passed in certain States or trying to be passed, then you're labeled a bigot and like yeah. th- that you're trying to suppress freedom of speech and stuff. And it's like, these are fucking children. They don't understand this. Right. Right. But it's where I'm telling you it's working and having a teenager and some of this shit that comes out of her mouth. I'm like, where are you getting this? Like it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy. Um, well, the first thing, Nick, you need to do is get out of California. I know. Yep. <laughs> it's I too know, far gone. I know. I know. Well, I'm kind of hoping that with all of this like mad rush out of California, maybe like, you know, maybe we can turn the state red again. I don't know. <laughs> Not a chance. No, the shit red, right? <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. They were red and it wasn't too long ago that we were red. So I don't know. Yeah, but- I mean, they're turning Texas. I'm telling you right now, I'm making a prediction. Texas is going to be blue in the next five years. The problem that you're going to have is the people that are leaving are the ones that could be swayed, but they're still leaving. The ones that are staying are T totally fucking insane and they're never going to change. I don't, I don't know about that though, because why are these States turning blue? Because Because these folks are, yeah, they're, they're emotional, the uninformed voters. 
who they're leaving, but then they're, yeah. they're bringing their voting, their bleeding hearts where they think <laughs> they think that the, the key to, you know, helping the homeless is to allow them to live in the middle of the, you know, nice neighborhoods and tent cities. And I mean, you're seeing like Austin right now is looking like LA with the amount of homeless and the, that's what I'm and saying. It, Those voters, crazy. you would think, you would think that, right? They're leaving the state because they're they're fleeing the policies, the the politics, whatever else. But they're turning Arizona blue. They turn Nevada blue. They're turning. They're gonna be turning Texas blue. I'm telling you that right Colorado. now. Colorado, 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 and like Colorado's controlled votes over there. So I'm hoping yeah. that people that are actually left here are the ones who will. Because if you go outside of L.A., San Diego, San Francisco, it's all red. It's just like Washington State. If you go outside of Seattle, I was up there during the election year and it was all you could saw was Trump pens, Trump pens outside of Seattle. Well, that's the whole country, though. It's, it's yeah. there's no more like everything is urban versus rural. Yeah. You know, you let me Colorado, the, the entire front range from Fort Collins down to even now Colorado Springs is nothing is, you know, solid blue. But in the rest of the state is solid red. Right. And anywhere that like you look in like Jackson Hole, Wyoming, it's the only holdout in the state, but it's where all the money is. And that's blue. Yeah. And the rest of Wyoming is very hardcore uh, red. But like Tennessee, Nashville, Memphis, yep. uh, you're seeing North Carolina. I mean, it's all Raleigh, Durham, uh, Charlotte, like where Perry lives, like everything. But you're starting to see. You know, we, we had Tony Cowden on and, and you know, we, we were talking yeah. to him about it. You're starting to see folks, they're fucking sick of it. And I don't know if it's a silent majority or not because the population centers do control the vote, but you know, people are starting to get more active and take a stand and they're running for office. I mean, uh, Virginia just flipped and a big part of the Virginia flip was the teachers and the governor coming in, you know, like one of the statements was like, you know, you, I don't remember I'm butchering this, but it's basically like, parents have no business controlling what teachers, you know, it's not their responsibility. It's our responsibility or some shit like that. And voters didn't like it. And so now Virginia has a Republican go governor for the first time in years. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we'll see a whole flip, but, and I think, cause the problem is, is that, you know, you have all these people, like all these red areas that take California, for instance, you have tons of people that are in the red, but they're not voting because their whole mentality is like, oh, my vote's not going to count. This is going to like they already give it up before they even go out and vote. So I'm hoping what this does show is that get off your fucking ass and do not do the mail in votes. You need to get off your ass. You need to get over to a voting poll and vote in person because I'm I'm positive the whole mail in ballots is what screwed this election over. So <laughs> yeah, there's a. Uh... That's a whole nother can of worms. Um, yeah. But I, I agree a hundred percent that, you know what, we definitely need to be more active. And that was something like Tony called us out a little bit on it. And I felt pretty attacked because my whole thing is like, fuck it, I'm going to worry about myself and my little, you know, what I can influence and change. And, uh, and he, uh, he let me and Derek and Carter know that we needed to get off our asses and get active and, yeah. and get involved in all this stuff. And he's right. You know, it's hard to be in the military, right? Cause you don't want to be super political, um, for a lot of reasons, but, but yeah, it, the politicians are, they're taking over and they're dictating a lot of what's going on in the military, what's going on in our world and our, you know, our children's world. This is for us. It's, you know, we're kind of, well, I don't know how old you guys are, but for me, cause I'm older, <laughs> um, I'm sort of past like anything that's really going to like, I mean, I, 
I guess things can still make a difference, but it's really my children that I'm, I'm really worried about, you know, they're going to grow up in this world that is dictated by these, you know, you got Trudeau up there fucking starting these emer- emergency, what is it? Emergency war act or whatever. And it's freezing people's banks, bank accounts. Like you, I never thought I would see something like that in a country like that in my lifetime. Like that's, that's insane. And it happens so quickly that if we do not do anything about it, if we don't get off our ass and start being more involved, you know, with one, the easiest way you can do this is get off your ass and vote. <laughs> Stop thinking your one vote's not going to matter. Stop thinking that your oh, my state's this color, whatever, my vote's not going to matter. That's not true. Because again, if you look at these states and you look at how, you know, red it is outside of these, these cities, like these politicians know that, that they already know like the human behavior of what's been going on. So they know that they can win these elections because you've got this majority of people that won't go and, and vote. They know this. And then they can sway all these other people that they're bringing into the country to vote or they're, you know, using their vote or somehow getting their vote, whatever they're doing. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And it's not just, you know, everybody obviously thinks about the presidential elections, but what we've got to get more folks involved in is the local elections yeah. um, and the congressional and Senate elections and the the congressional elections are really, and the the Senate elections are really where we're going to make the most difference because well, when the system works correctly, the the president shouldn't have that much power. Uh, But unfortunately that that's not the case these days. And that's on both sides. The Republicans and the Democrats have taken more and more power to the executive branch the entire way through. Um, I mean, you can really trace a lot of it back to like Truman and some of the stuff that he did, but We've, we've got to start getting more involved and get more folks. And that's what's really cool to see folks like Tony. Like when you talk to Tony, you're like, this dude is not a fucking politician at all. Like not even remotely. Like he's one of us. Right. And it's awesome that he's running and he's probably going to get elected. And we got to get more folks like that in office. And we've got to get more of the common folk that have, they're a little rough around the edges. They, they might say fuck every once in a while. Like that's us. That's who we are. Right. Like why do we want this super polished turd up there who's fake as hell? Yeah who's doing cocaine and with strippers and hookers like on the side, like at least guys like Tony are open about the fact that they, they have issues and have problems and yeah, whatever. Like these other guys are, let's not knock all the, liars the and cocaine and strippers. <laughs> Derek feels attacked. They're, they're kind of a representation of people too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to each their own. They're hardworking but, you know, people. I like Tony, Tony, uh, I, I can't, my mom listens to this podcast. I'm going to keep my mouth shut, but, um, <laughs> you know, you know, t- Tony talked about it, right? Like with marijuana and how it, at this point pretty much seems like the country's ready for it to be federally legalized. But if we're going to stomp our feet and say, Nope, it's going to be fucking, uh, illegal. Then why aren't senators and congressmen subject to your analysis? Yeah. I've pissed in a cup three times in the past three months as an active duty soldier, why the hell aren't our congressmen held to the same, same standard? Cause you know, we all hear stories about the parties and shit that go up on up there. If, if oh, it's, yeah. the, it's this like rules for, uh, for, oh, yeah. you know, the, and not for me type right. shit. And that's what we, we see. And it's just corruption with these politicians. And I mean, what's going on in Canada right now, if yeah, isn't absolutely alarming to a lot of folks. And it, it also should be, you know, a wake up call to the importance and the separation of America to the rest of the world. I mean, Australia as well. Yeah. Like we have a, like our bill of rights and our constitution, no other country has those protections. Right. And that's why that kind of stuff isn't happening at that scale, because 
they couldn't do it. Like, cause then if they started doing that shit, like you would start to see a, a lot more resistance from folks that aren't the type to go out and get into riots and, and burn cars and storm the Capitol. Like right. it's going to be the folks that they don't want to get involved. Right. And Canada doesn't have that. They don't have guns. Like we do. They don't have the ability to resist. They're out there just, I mean, they had to use trucks and they're just getting hit with a super heavy hand right now. And the videos of the beatings and everything else that's going on that's coming out is, I mean, it's pretty dystopian and is something that we should all be keeping a close, close eye on. Yeah. I was going to say, I like that picture of um, the fucking riot. Well, it's not even a riot, but like they're, they're walking, the police horses are walking through and every, you know, left wing uh, news station is saying how they threw a fucking bike at these, these horses. I'm like, if you have half a fucking brain, you can look at that picture and know that's a walker. That is yeah. an ambulatory device, which means more than likely the dude that they're mowing the fuck down is probably 70 or 80 years old. And you're yeah. just walking them over with a goddamn horse. It was a, it was a female, it was a woman um, on her. Yeah. It was like a motorized scooter or something like that. And they, they knocked her over and she fell and yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's Meanwhile, awesome. when there was, you know, BLM riots, they were killing cops and yeah. there wasn't the outcry there is over the Ottawa, pr- yeah. pr- you know, protests. But, but this is, this is why I don't under, like there's, you know, all of us are pretty like-minded. It seems, you know, we can see this and like call the bullshit flag. And I've been calling the bullshit flag from day one, um, you know, from the pandemic and everything else. And I, I don't understand how you can see some of this stuff and not say, okay, something's not right here. <laughs> This is wrong. what the media is telling me, what I'm, you know, what the politicians are doing. Like, if you are not scratching your head at least and saying something doesn't seem right. But if you go to some of these other pages, like left, you know, leaning pages and you read the comments and these people are like, oh, yeah, that's the way it should be. And it's just like. You you really have no idea, like you have no idea. These people, you know, take Canada, for instance, these truckers, this isn't for just right side or concern, whatever. This is for everybody. Like they have no idea that this affects them as well. <laughs> it's just, that's what's terrifying is to have all of these people who just, you know, with the vaccine, you know, like, oh, and you see the comments of like, we should kill these, these, uh, the unvaccinated. <laughs> it's just like. And with I, that, I, if you look at, if you look at all of the, the most loudmouth left-wing people when Trump was in office and the vaccine was being developed, they were like, I would never fucking take this drug. I would never take it if Donald yeah. Trump supports it. Yeah. Yada, 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 yada. Yeah. Six months later, yeah. they're singing its praises. And if you yeah. think that that fucking vaccine yeah. is different than the vaccine that Donald Trump was developing, you're fucking high because it's the same damn yeah. thing. But now, because your political office has is now aligned yeah. with what's in there now, you're more than willing to, to right. sheep it up and just go for it. Like that shit pisses me off. And I've said well, from day one, like I don't understand how this became political because I, I, it's never been political for me. And even like when, when Donald Trump started talking about the vaccine, I was like, absolutely not. Cause this is not, you know, and then you're like, Oh, you're an anti vaxxer I am not a fucking anti-vaxxer. I am an anti this fucking new technology. That's never been used on humans before. That's what I'm anti and everybody else should be. <laughs> and the fact that it's not working and we know this now now at this point, which I already could have fucking told you, people are still supporting it. And I, that is what I'm like, there is so much evidence showing it does not work. So 
it's kind of like the flu shot at this point, right? Take it if you want it. Take it if you think it's going to help you. But this mandate and these, you have to do this and you have to do that to keep your fucking job. Like, I, I'm just, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing that anybody even supports that anymore. So, yeah, I don't know what to say. And the military thing, that it's illegal what they're doing. Absolutely, 100% illegal. I don't care what anybody fucking says, it is illegal. They are not supposed to be doing this. It is still under an Emergency Authorization Act. The approved FDA version is not available. Pfizer has said they have not made it available because they want to get through all the stories that they have right now. They don't want to lose the money of all the vaccines they have out there right now. So they will not release the FDA approved one. So it is illegal to make military members mandate to get this. Period. No comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thankful as shit that I work for a private company. And I can do what the hell I want to because it, it absolutely, it, it's blown my mind this entire time. How, and it, I feel like it's our generation. It's the millennials. They're so willing to cede control over these aspects of their lives yeah. to the governing entity. And it's, you know, it's, I just, I don't, I can't, I can't agree with it. I just don't. I, I'm like you. I'm not anti-vax, never have been. My children have been vaccinated for the, you know, the standard things that we have protocols right. for. My wife's a nurse. Like I've, I've been exposed to the, you know, the entire argument. Yeah. I was like you, this didn't feel right from the beginning. Right. A number of things didn't add up. Right. The mask didn't work. Right. Social distancing didn't work. The vaccination numbers have proven to not be effective. What are we doing? What the fuck are we doing? I mean, I said it. I went to New York in April of 2020 because when I wanted to help, but I also I was like, I got to see this with my own eyes because I do not believe the shit that I'm being better right now. So went to New York to help and, you know, started seeing I had a a good friend who has a clothing company and he's like, hey, I want to I made all these masks. I want you to take them to New York. And I. I was like, that is the nicest thing. That's that's awesome. You did that. But I was like, I can't show up at this hospital with these cloth masks. I'm going to get laughed out of the hospital from my colleagues, right? And the next thing I know, they're all wearing their t-shirt over their head. And I'm just like, what the fuck did I just miss? Because it's like, when is when have we ever said a t-shirt is going to protect you from a virus? What What is happening? I've actually lost friends over this because they like, well, it's a little bit of, I'm like, no, this is a false sense of security because if there is an actual deadly virus that comes along, which there probably will be at some point, and people think their fucking underwear over their head is going to protect them, like you are going to kill a lot of people, which rightfully so, maybe at this point, because they're stupid, like go ahead, whatever, I don't care. But the fact of that, to me, it's a false sense of security, right? So I think my fucking, and I, I have doctors come at me all the time on my page because I talk about this and it's like, you know, how, I don't know how you can be a nurse and you say all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, if I change the narrative and I, and I tell you, this is now airborne Ebola, are you still going to tell people to wear their fucking underwear over their head? Well, no. Well, yeah. Why not? Because that's actually deadly. Right. And you feel comfortable saying this about this particular pandemic, because you know, the chances are people dying from it is very, very slim. So you're okay to tell people to wear their freaking t-shirt over their head. If it was airborne Ebola, you would absolutely not, well, I would hope <laughs> that you would not be telling people to throw on, you know, a piece of paper over their face. So yeah, I, I don't know. That that started it for me. And I was like, none of this is making sense. The vaccine started, they started talking about that. And my whole thing with that is it's, you know, and the, the, the argument to me is always, well, it's been around for 30 years. You're absolutely right. The technology has been around for 30 years. So tell me why 
we are releasing it to humans for the first time under an emergency authorization act. Why, if we've had 30 years, we have plenty of viruses we can we can practice on, right? Why in the 30 years did we not do the proper tr- clinical trials and you know have volunteer participants like we do with every other trial? Why? Crickets. You know what I mean? The, so that's <laughs> exactly 100%. And like the best way with the masks, the best, it was a, an infantry, uh, I don't know, it was a staff sergeant or sergeant first class, put it extremely eloquently when was asked about a mask early on uh, before it was man- they were mandated. One of the soldiers asked if, you know, we had to wear them. And uh, he looked at him and said, does a, what you, does a pair of blue jeans stop a fart? And I was just like, I was like, that's, I mean, but it's true, right? And that yep. particles are much larger than a viral virus particle. When yep, you're on the airplane 100%. and you're sitting next to the bathroom, do you smell the shit that comes out of there? Probably, right? With your mask on, yeah. Those particles are much larger than than a virus particle. So, yeah, that's 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 my whole point. And it's like, you know, and I and I've talked about this. I'm like, if you're going to make a mandate, which I don't, you know, think you should, but if you're going to, there should be a standard, right? Because if you don't have a standard, and the standard should be at very least an N95. But if you don't have a standard, then you've got people with their underwear of their head or, you know, a yarn freaking mask, which I saw some stupid celebrity wearing. You can see like her mouth through the holes. <laughs> it's just like, the fuck? you can go to Walmart, you know, and, and there are bins of their masks. I, I got one of them once and it was like you stretch the material and it's like a little thin piece of freaking nylon or something. And it's just like, but everybody's happy if you wear that. So, yeah, I don't know. When uh, the, the wildfires were hitting Colorado really bad last year in the, the height of the Colorado lockdowns and mask mandates where it was mandated every establishment in Colorado, you had to wear a mask inside. Uh, they came out and said, the mask is not going to help you from the smoke uh, particulates and the smoke particulates are significantly larger than the COVID particulate or the COVID whatever. I'm not a scientist, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's my, it's been completely mind blowing. And for people to get so, you know, you, if you walked out in the the height of all this and you weren't wearing a mask, people were so passionate. I mean, you saw like videos of people getting into fights at the stores and you're so selfish and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's, it's turned into a religion. Um, the, the, you know, on both sides, I mean, the people are just as much anti and religious about it. And I, if we're just losing the ability to actually have a conversation and have differing opinions or even ask questions. Yeah. And that's like what's frustrating about what's going on with Rogan is everything he said is relatively reasonable that he doesn't think like his family's vaccinated. His kids are like he he just doesn't want it because he's a fit guy and has the resources to do other things. And right. people are like acting like he's fucking, you know. Well, people are mad because he had like Dr. Malone on, which mm-hmm. Dr. Malone is one of the inventors of this technology. <laughs> so, like, yeah. so suddenly all these people who've dedicated their entire life to this research and, and developing this stuff are wrong. Like, it's, it's just funny to me how like, oh, no, now he doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's like, this is the man who could like, OK. <laughs> okay. The government does not want you thinking, thinking freely. They want you to... No. Just listen to what they say, take it as gospel, and and just fucking move on with your life. And that's not what you know he is trying to show you. Like he wants the thing I like about Rogan is he, he brings a lot of people in from different walks of life yeah. and like 
has he brought a, a lot of pro mask, pro vaccine guys on, yeah. and like and that's what which he should. And like I'm not like we shouldn't stifle any of this, right? If they're like I, I listen to doctors sometimes. I'm very not impressed with most doctors, to yeah, be honest. And having a kid has made that even more real. Yeah. Um, I've about gotten into fights with a couple of pediatricians. And it's just like, not really, but kind of. And it's just like, we just, Americans want the authoritative figure. Like we take everything a doctor says as a gospel. We take yeah. everything, somebody that has any letters next to their name as fucking gospel. Yeah. And when you look at this over the years, it what's true changes. And it, it, the truth always changes. Yeah. And I mean, in the less than a hundred years ago, we were giving kids cocaine yeah. and fucking soda pop. Like, and yeah. we think that we can't be wrong about anything. That when you look at the numbers days. of FDA approved, that, <laughs> we, you know, you look at, that, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Derek. <laughs> but you know, you, I don't even remember where I was going with that at this point, but yeah, I mean, it, it is. It, I had no intentions of getting this, you know, in the weeds on this stuff and, and having a political episode. We try <laughs> to steer clear a little bit with it, but I mean, it's shit that we need to talk about and it's stuff that I think we have avoid too much and it's stuff that affects all of us. And the way with how like the stuff that's going on in Canada right now is super concerning. And I think that what it, the most concerning part of this entire thing for me is let's say 50% of the country is wrong and we're wrong. Okay. The problem is, is that the other 50% believes this stuff so strongly that they're okay with either imprisoning or killing, harming, or just overall, just completely like ruining the livelihoods of the other 50%. Yeah. And that is very alarming to me. Yeah. And because, and this is something nobody really talks about. Like if you believe in a mandate and you believe that something should be regulated by the government, then that is something you are so passionately, like you, you, you stand behind it so passionately that you're willing to have somebody that you pay with your tax dollars, kill somebody else over because that's what happens. I mean, when we have a regulation, a law and the police will enforce that law, that is their job to enforce the law up to the point of killing somebody. And so we need to take a second to think about some of this shit and be like, am I willing to have Americans killed over this? Because I know that half the country is not going to want to comply and people don't think of it that way. But the reality on the ground is like people will be killed if things continue the way they're going. And that's, I I don't want to see Americans get killed. I didn't want to see Americans getting killed in like the BLM stuff and like over all this stupid shit. And it's just like, we, if we just sit down and have a conversation and say like, yeah. do we need some police reform? Probably, you know, in certain areas, especially, and do we need better training? I think it's more of a training issue. Absolutely. They need better training. Same thing with like, it's an education issue. Hey, because I think most people were pretty on board with the, uh, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve thing. We were, yeah. we didn't know what COVID was like, Hey, let's social distance for a minute. Let's see if we can, stop this but like people just get so steadfast in the narrative that they can't accept anything else and then like i said before it just becomes a fucking religion yeah well, and it's, it's frightening it became political and it, it went away from you know the healthcare providers which this is this is a health pandemic right this is about 
um, your health and like why politicians have no business making any of these decisions. And they started to, and then people caught on to like, oh, this is political and you got these passionate people and, you know, somehow it started getting divided as if you were wearing a mask or you support it, you're on the left. And if you didn't, you're on the right. I was like, I'm, I was watching all this go down. I'm like, how, what, what is happening right now? Like, I don't understand this. And so now it's, it's this whole, you know, I can pretty much tell you if I see a person in their car with their mask on by themselves, they're probably left leaning. And it's like, you should not be able to tell that by, you know, based on, this pandemic and it, it being a health issue. Like it's, it's just weird to me that it even started like that or went down that road, but that's why we're in the mess that we're in. And, and I, I feel like this was a total, like it was supposed to play out this way. Cause I just, I don't understand any other, like you were saying, you know, Trump came up with a vaccine. So like, you know what I mean? And, and if, suddenly like it was, I don't like it because he said it. Now it's, I love it because this other person said it. And it's like, that's not even how this works. <laughs> like, I do want to clarify one point. I don't, Trump was in office. He wasn't he was sitting office. there with the microscope. Right, yeah. Cause I definitely wouldn't take it if he developed the fucking vaccine. Well, I wasn't going to take it anyway. Like that was my whole thing was like, I didn't care who was saying it. I didn't care if it was Trump or anybody. I, the minute I heard about it and yes, it was when Trump was in office. I said, absolutely. My first thought was absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't know what this is. This isn't the same. You know, and everybody wanting to talk about, like, especially military people, I'll see it on their, like, some of their pages. Is, it's like every other vaccine. No, you're an idiot because you didn't do your research if you think this is anything like the other shit that we put in our bodies. Like, it's it's not even close. Different technology, different way. We're, it, nothing close. And again, again, it's never been trialed on humans before. So completely different. <laughs> Everything else we've taken, even anthrax <laughs> was used on humans before. There was actual trials and studies. This has not been done. You are a participant right now. You're either, you know, part of it or you're the the other side of it. So yeah. The other crazy well, thing that's come out of this. If I grow a second head, we're gonna know that it was fucked. <laughs> if I have a random heart attack, we'll know. Yeah. Because I, I definitely got it, but I didn't have a, really any choice. Oh, I know. The other thing that's come out of this that's been uh, insane is just realizing the monopoly that these big tech companies have and, and the power that they have over you. I mean, and if you look at it in, in the beginning, like when they developed the, the vaccine, if you would have said on your platform that if you get the vaccine, you can still get COVID and pass COVID. You would have been deplatformed. People would have fucking told you you're an idiot. Six months later, that's common knowledge. If you just said mask, these, these paper and cloth masks don't work, people would have lost their shit. There was just a Washington Post article about how these masks didn't work. And, you know, and all this shit is, is changing. And you and the study like, came out of Johns Hopkins. Yeah. You seem like a fucking conspiracy theorist when you when you say this stuff. But you were just ahead of the curve. You know, it, you look back six yeah. months, you're like, oh shit, that came true. Oh no, that came true too. Oh no. Yep. I mean, everything. And like I said, I, I was saying this from the get go because I was using my education and my experience solely with healthcare and whatever else, you know, like not the politics thing. And so, yeah, I mean, none of this is a surprise. And the fact that it's a surprise to anybody is just, again, it's, it's all. Watching the human behaviors of all of this, you know, things that I never thought we would, you know, be at at our lifetime, especially with so much information at the palm of your hand, 
Um, and to see that people still will just believe anything that they see when you can just go right on your phone and, and look around. Like, I don't believe anything on either side. I always go and I try to reference it with five or six different things, you know, try to go to a different um, search engine and, and, and try to find things that, that match. I, I never believe anything that I hear first. I always, I'm either putting myself in the position like with New York, going out there and seeing for myself or trying to do, you know, research to figure out if what this person's saying or these people are saying is true. So, but you don't have people do that. They just, whatever's fed to them. Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's right. It's the way it is. <laughs> I was listening to Rogan. He had Matt Frazier on the dude who won the CrossFit games five yeah. times in a row. And they were, they kind of got on the subject and he, Matt was like, I don't even buy the first iPhone when it comes out. Like, yeah, exactly. and, and I'm the same way. Like I don't buy the first yeah. new generation of anything. Yeah. Like, why would I do? I mean, if I had a choice, I'm once again, I'm not anti-vax. If it was, you know, went through and I felt like I needed it. I also don't feel like COVID, I've had COVID twice. Like I've been fine. You know, I got a little sick and it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Um, since I've been vaccinated, I, yeah. I've gotten it twice. Yeah. And so why would, why would people want to just blindly get when we know this was rushed through when it usually takes years of testing Five years, and this was just, <laughs> just rushed through and yeah. yep, it's FDA approved when the FDA never approves anything that quickly. Yeah. And when they do do it, the amount of like drugs that they recall every single year is astounding. Yeah. And they, I mean, you've seen it as a nurse. I know Perry's wife, Melissa sees it like, yeah. There's so many, and then the side effects that nobody knows that come out later, or like, I mean, the anthrax shots are a prime example. Uh, uh, was Mel- Meliquent? What was the malaria drug? Was it Meliquent? Um, that yeah, re- I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it'll call. I, I might be fucking that up, but causes like, like schizophrenic and psychotic episodes and shit. Yeah. And you know, we made our soldiers had to take it every day for yep. nine, you know, fifteen month deployments or whatever. I mean, yeah. they gave us doxy. It was the, but. I'm supposed to take a antibiotic every day for nine months. Like what's that going to do to my immune system? Yeah. And like, all, it's just across the board. It's not just with the COVID vaccine. It's, it's with everything else that we're just told like, Oh, this is good. This is good. Take it, take it, take it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, again, and what you're saying, you know, like every other medication is a minimum five year process for the FDA approval. And again, like to watch people just like, Oh yeah, this is fine. <laughs> just like, if this was anything else, and I told you this may or may not work, this may actually kill you. I mean, there's reports, it shows there's so many deaths. And just with 50 deaths with anything else, they they would have pulled this shit off the fucking line. And there's like over- like 12,000. Yeah, some crazy number, over almost 200,000 incidents. I mean, serious illnesses, all kinds of, you know, the whole myocarditis thing is a real thing. Um, and for people to just be like, you know, yeah, this is- no, this is, this is good. This is different. <laughs> the government cares about me. The pharmaceutical care companies care about me. And that's where I'm just like, the pharmaceutical companies just made over a trillion dollars in profit last year. All three of them, trillions of dollars. Do you think that is just an innocent byproduct of them trying to save the world? No. One, they're never trying to save the world because they would go out of business. <laughs> it's like they have shareholders and they're trying to make, you know, their their money. So to make you healthy is not in their interest. Like how hard is that to understand? That that's to me common sense, but that seems common sense is just not really a thing I don't think anymore. 
Yeah. Uh, on that note, to tie this all back into hunting, lifting, and eating, be fit, <laughs> go hunting, Yes. know where your food comes from, yes. and then be cognizant of what you're putting in your body. And I mean, that's what it comes down to. And, and I'm, nobody here is anti-medicine no. because sometimes we need medicine. That's why we don't die when we're 35 like they yeah. did in the 1800s. But at the same time, like the best way to avoid illness is to be healthy, to be physically fit. It's the best way to not end up in a nursing home. It's the best way to not develop Alzheimer's or dementia. It's the best way to, you know, maintain brain cognition. And so like we have the ability to take all that back on ourselves. Like the, the number of overweight people that are vaccine truthers, it's like, yeah, I'm sure you do because it's way easier for you to get a shot than it is to come to terms that you need to lose 150 pounds right. and actually go through the years of hard work that it's going to take to get healthy again. Yeah. But that's why, that's why I love like what you guys are doing. Cause I really, you know, why I got into hunting and all that stuff and, you know, just being proactive with your health. And like you said, knowing where your food comes from and, and realizing what you get in the grocery store is probably contributing to a lot of weird diseases and potential cancers and whatever else. And, you know, like the hormone deficiencies that we're seeing and a lot of, young people like to see a lot of these men in their early thirties and their testosterone is like not even registering or they're like super low. That's, that is, I've been thinking about this a lot. So, you know, working with that foundation. And so it's just like, why, why would there be so many people? It's like more, it seems more than not that everyone's testosterone is, is lowered. And why is that? You know, what are some common sources? Well, food sources, right? We all eat, a lot, most people get their food from the groceries. And if you look at what your, these animals are going through with like all the hormone injections and everything else to speed up, you know, their growth and whatever, you know, to make that bottom dollar, um, that's probably not good for you. It's not good for your kids. So yeah, it's, it is very important to, you got to take control of your, your health. I mean, in this world, in this country, especially we're very reactive when it comes to healthcare versus being proactive. So you know, no doctor is going to really, what do they, they do? They throw medication at you or they, you know, put band-aids over everything. <laughs> They're not going to tell you to go lose weight, stop smoking, stop doing whatever. It's just going to be more of, oh, what's your problem right now? Okay, let's fix it. Let's get you out of my office and, and move on. And, you know. Motrin and naproxen. Yeah. That's what the, ar- that's what the army gives you. Change your socks. Change. Naproxen. Change your socks. <laughs> drink, dr- drink a little water and face out, but. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're blew past an hour, Nikki. This has been great. Um, this went really quick. Uh, we really appreciate your time and ha- you coming on. We're definitely gonna have to have you back on. Um, I'd love to have you back on post your women's retreat and get some perspectives and maybe some ideas for our own stuff yeah, after sure. you guys do that. And well, I'm doing um, the um, the Vortex Sniper competition in North Carolina. If anyone's around that area, hell yeah. So, hey, Perry awesome. is. Yeah. Yeah, I can say where. Where is that? Uh, Coleman's Creek. Okay. That's uh, in the middle of nowhere. Place. Yeah. Talked into this thing, so this will be an adventure. <laughs> no, that'll be awesome. We'll definitely have to, to touch base again uh, after you knock out all these these, these cool things um, and plug back in with you. But uh, we appreciate the hell out of it. Perry, you got any closing comments? Yeah. Good luck at the competition. Um, hope you smoke them. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Derek? Yeah, just don't be stupid, fat, and lazy. Get off your ass.
save yourself. <laughs> I like it. Got anything to wrap us up, Nikki? Nope. Just thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Where can everybody find you on Instagram? Uh, my handle is fly underscore girl underscore RN. Fly girl RN. Awesome. Everybody go give Nikki a follow. Um, as always, we appreciate the hell out of all you guys. Uh, go follow the Hunt Lift Eat page at Hunt Lift Eat Official. You can follow Derek at Stand Two Blade Company. You can follow Perry at Perry.r.eisner and me at Luke.d.cox. Um, it's not too late to sign up for the February Fitness Challenge. You're going to be fucked. You're not going to catch back up because people are going insane. Uh, but definitely jump in there if you guys are interested. Just scroll back through our posts, find the instructions. You can sign sign up, get involved, and uh, we're going to do more of these. So we decided uh, with the success and the turnout of this one, we're going to start doing a different competition every quarter. Um, so our next one will be around Memorial Day. Uh, it's going to involve the Murph, and then we're going to kind of go off that. Well, more details will come out um, as we get a little bit closer, but that one's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be about seven days, be a little bit shorter. And so we're going to kind of vary up what the competition is each time. So definitely keep out a uh, lookout on that. We're going to have, I don't know when this podcast is going to be dropping uh, this specific episode, but March 1st, we're dropping our next apparel line. So definitely go check that out. We just got a, a bunch of new uh, color combinations for some different uh, of our more popular designs. But thanks, guys. We appreciate the hell out of every single one of you.